there's, uh, there's certain things that happen once uh, a lockdown's announced. It's like people go out, buy a load of toilet rolls, uh, go and get on Netflix, other things. First thing I normally do is um, drop this man a message. <laughs> it's um, we. We jokingly said at the end of the last one that we probably couldn't squeeze a part three out of it, but we're in lockdown again and we've uh, we've got him on live and direct from a, a hotel room in Coventry. Lee Camp, how are you? I'm very well, mate. I'm very well, thank you. Um, living my best life in lockdown three <laughs> um, in a hotel room, which is um, enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> well, um Jokes aside, this is a bit of a nice moment because um, you were like the first podcast that actually did well, and we did two, and they, they kind of kicked the whole the whole podcasting off. And I've had some some pretty decent names on since. And you know, I've got a microphone, I've got sponsors, so it's like a it's a joking aside, a nice moment to get you back on, mate. You've, have you listened to any of them since? Um, I've listened to a few of yours, yeah. Um, I, I think I've enjoyed them. I listened to the Phil Brown one uh, that went up. I listened to um, Chanel Cresswell's one. Obviously, of all the stuff she's done, I'm a big fan of hers. Um, I've listened to a few more, but I can't quite remember off the top of my head which ones. But I have I've been listening and obviously been keeping keeping an eye on things, and I'm I'm delighted for you that things are progressing. You are looking very professional there with the what what might do we call that? Is that a boom? No, I'm not a boom mic, is it? But it's very. You've not got one of them lights, have you? That everyone's got on the TV, them round lights that shine you. Oh, you oh, oh you've got way up market now. <laughs> way. <laughs> just oh. shout out my sponsors: SMJ Brady, Connect Red, <laughs> Lethal. <laughs> You're flying. No, I'm delighted for you, mate. I think um, I think you've done re- really well. I think <clears throat> I think you've seen a a gap in the market, and and you've it you've hit it good and. There's some interesting people to come out of Derby. That's the that's the one thing that out of all of it is that it's a good place. There's a lot of lot of good people have come out of it, and uh, I think I touched on on the um, one of the podcasts before that. I think all jokes aside, and like I said, I think people appreciate what people do for Derby and what what comes out of it. I think it is quite a I don't know what the word. I don't know what the word is or how you describe it. But there's an appreciation for people that come from from your town, and um, no, it's good. I'm delighted for you. Cheers, mate. It's um, it's strange times football wise at the minute. I've just seen that Derby have got to play their well, basically their 18s and a few 23s against Chorley on Saturday with no Rooney. Um, so obviously it's difficult times. How has how has football changed over the last? I think it's nine ten months since we the last had John. It's changed. It's changed a lot. It's, it's really has changed. I think. Um, I think the days of, of football clubs uh, not appreciating the fans. I think that will change. Um, I think if we if we talk about the revenue side of it, I think the the footfall and having people in stadiums is bigger to football clubs than they ever really appreciated. And having that cash flow um, coming in. And everything else, obviously, it's not just the buying of the ticket or being in the in the stadium. I think it's the the buzz about the place, the money that people want to spend on programs and merchandise, etc., etc., etc. I think they'll appreciate that. I think they'll appreciate the fact that fans have stayed loyal with all the the eye follows and still trying to contribute to their football clubs in um, what are difficult times. And 
as we sit here and speak at the minute, probably are going to get more difficult in the world as well as in industry and, and, and football, obviously, because that's what we're we're involved in. Um, I think it's I think it's taken a real big hit. I think there'll be a bit of a bang. I think there'll be a uh, a reality check for a lot of players. Um, I think I wouldn't say I've necessarily had a reality check myself, but there's been a difference in terms of being a free agent in the summer, um, trying to find a club, speaking to football clubs, probably your expectations, what their expectations are, the realities of of where they are financially, where reality of where players think they should be financially in terms of contracts. I think that's that's going to change even more so in the next, certainly in the next six to 12 months. And I think there'll be a ripple effect beyond that. Um, I think with the way the football is presented is different. I think it's awful when you watch a pit, watch a, watch a game and you've got the crowd noise in the background. And I know they're making the best of a bad situation, but it's not much of an atmosphere playing in the games and being involved in the games with no fans there it's not much fun I'm playing football you're involved in football and being paid don't get me wrong I'm not trying to sound like a prima donna but there's a buzz about a match day of having people there the fans I went back to Pride Park didn't get hammered felt weird (laughs) not enjoyable occasion Um, man I was able to sit in the stands had the run of the place. It was great. It was like the olden days, but not getting abused was strange. Um, I, I just think it, I just think it's going to change, change massively. I think that's the biggest thing out of all of it. Football clubs, they probably won't come out and say it, but the appreciation for the fans and what they actually do for their football clubs, that'll be the big thing that comes out. I hope that comes out of it because it's took a massive hit and that's the biggest reason why it's... it's it, they like non-contests, watching some of the games. They like pre-season friendly games. There's no atmosphere. There's no intensity to it. They make a tackle. You have a good piece of play, a save, a goal. There's no emotion. There's no reaction to things. There's no bounce off the back of scoring a goal and the fans are up on the feet and there's a noise and there's a roar and things like that. It's it's a completely different, completely different game, being involved in it and obviously watching it as well. Was it more difficult leaving Birmingham and going to Coventry to find a to find a new club as a free agent in these times? Because obviously there's there's more free agents and, and stuff knocking about. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of factors for me. Me personally, I was just turning thirty six. Um, obviously, that isn't always going to be on the top of everyone's agenda. You're looking at probably a twelve two year contract if you're really lucky. Um, there's always going to be a like this thing where he's 36, I play get and all that, which is fine. I accept that. That's I've known that for a long time. That's that's how it is what it is. But I also think as well, where people might have took a chance and things like that, they don't, they can't. It just isn't there to take a chance. They perhaps can't just add an extra player in or get an extra few quid out of the chairman for this, out of the other. And if you look at the amount of players that are still out of work, look at players that have come in into football clubs, um, in recent months, everyone's been in the same boat. Um, and that's basically what it is. I, I kind of knew I was leaving Birmingham um, last January. People want to, you know, speculate and blah, blah, blah. They can speculate. I knew what was going on. I knew, I knew what the, the writing was on the wall. The only thing I was concerned of was finishing strong and playing well, 
and and coming out of it with some credit. And um, I, I knew once um, the season was done, I'd 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 be going. So um, I, I fully knew what my future was. But again, I think with obviously the coronavirus situation and and the lockdown and the restart, I managed to obviously it prolonged it and you extended your contract for a month or whatever it was, which was was great and it was nice to finish and finish off the job you started but it was always going to be difficult and I think there's players a lot younger than me who, who have got you know more years in front of them than they have behind them who are struggling to get clubs so um, it's just tough it's just tough people can't take chances because the simple factor is the money just isn't there Were you close to going to Salford? because I remember it being reported at the time and I've just finished watching the, the first three Class of 92 episodes where they were looking for a goalkeeper late on before the season. Were, were you talking to Salford? Did that come close? Um, there was there was contact. Um, wasn't me direct. It was through like my agency that I'm signed with. Um, there was a couple of conversations, but I think um, it was very, it was, I think it was early when we just started, when we just restarted. I think it was only maybe a couple of games in and they were uh, speak, speaking to a few it wasn't just me it wasn't as if like it was a play for me that was far from it I think I was one of a couple that I think they sort of the feedback was they were looking for like a senior experienced goalkeeper that had played um, higher than the level they were and were looking to if you look at their strategy kind of the way that they've came through they've always sort of overloaded with players that are higher up a level above and, yeah a level above with respect and that's sort of been there, which financially they can afford to do. So, um, but there, there was a little bit of a talk, but then I think as I've seen a little bit of the Salford thing. And I think as Gary Neville mentioned, and they spoke about the wage cap come in and I think that really killed a lot of their plans. I think they had not just a goal. I know they got players in, but industry talk, whatever the rumor was that they were going to try and get a couple more players. Um, attacking players and midfielders that would have been would have been some signings for that level but because of the wage cap coming I think they were basically handcuffed in what they could do so um, but by the time uh, their, their goalkeeper signed that was like a couple of months after we'd had any sort of contact and it never really got any further than I think a couple of back and forth conversations How's Coventry been so far? Have you settled in okay? Yeah, obviously it's not too different because he's played at the same ground <laughs> Yeah well <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything seems to be the same, just in a different colour shirt. I've um, I've settled in. All right. I've known Mark Robbins a long time. Funny enough, Mark lives in Derby. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. And I first met Mark. I should call him Gaffer, really. But um, I first met him when he used to come up to Moor Farm to watch. Well, I think when he was finishing playing, or he'd had just finished, and he was starting coaching. He used to come up and watch the youth team. And when we used to have pre-matches. Uh, before home games we used to go out and stand up on the bank and watch a bit of the youth team game and I bumped into him and then I'd see him most weeks and we'd we'd, uh, have a chat and we always had a decent rapport Um, and then he helped me out I can't remember when it was when he he was manager of Huddersfield he let me go in and do a little bit of training there when I was between clubs in pre-season to keep fit and we've always had a little bit of contact over the years um as you do, you know, you are passing ships in, in the night a little bit in football, but we've had bits of contact. And then we played him last year in the Cup a couple of times. So I sort of had a proper chat with him then. First time I'd seen him 
sort of face to face and then um when when obviously they needed a, like the goalie got injured and they need someone he gave me a call um we'd had a conversation probably about three or four weeks before that about one or two things um and then obviously the the, the situation arise with the unfortunate injury to Marco and it opened up a door so um I come in and unfortunately I've not been able to play lad Ben who's gone in goal has been fantastic so I just have to be patient and see where it kind of goes I can't really have any complaints really but uh, naturally frustrated that I've not I've not played but it is what it is we mentioned before and one of the questions someone asked was about getting into management and the coaching side are you doing anything at Coventry with that as well starting to get into that side of things no no I'm not um, it's just focused purely on it's only a short term deal my contract runs to the end of January um, sort of to cover Marco's injury um, so that that was simply what it was I was training up at Sheffield Wednesday with Gary Monk um, obviously I have a good relationship with Gary from my time at Birmingham and, and prior to that and he, he took his staff in with him and I'm, I'm really good friends with Darrell Flavin the goalie coach so they helped me out just to go in and train and I'd had some conversations with Gary about possibly coming in and, and being part of the, the setup there, um, getting involved in terms of the coaching side. Um, and he was brilliant with me. He was fantastic. We had a couple of we had a couple of long chats actually, just one on one about certain stuff and talking about tactics and managing people and all these different like things we uh, you're gonna have to sort of come across. Um, and that would have been a would have been a great opportunity, something that I was sort of I was excited about, but unfortunately, obviously, ended up losing his job, and that kind of went downhill from there. But um, that was that that could have been an opportunity that would have been would have been interesting. But no, it's still something obviously I want to do. That's my that's my end goal. Uh, but again, it's as a player, as a coach, it, it, it's a difficult you know circumstance people are going to go for more experienced coaches because again they kind of got to go for a sure thing which you can appreciate in this in the way things are realistically it might be a difficult question to answer how how long do you think you've got left playing professionally no still 36 is still a decent age for a keeper isn't it realistically so it could be another five six years yeah i think if you'd have asked me this like two or three years ago um after i'd had like the knee injury and finished up at sunderland my answer might have been maybe a year, two at the max, really. But I feel good. I feel fit. Um, touch wood, you know, my knees, my knees as solid as it was before, pretty much. I, I've had no issues whatsoever. So um, I'd like to play for as long as I can. I don't want to be the old boy in the yard. I don't want to outstay my welcome and all that. Um, but as, as long as I feel as I've got something to contribute, I think I'll continue playing as 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 long as as possible. Really, unfortunately, it's it's out of your control. You can't just show up and play and give yourself a contract. You've got to be, um, you've got to be fortunate to sort of fall into that spot. And hopefully, that someone isn't really bothered that you're 36 and they're quite happy for you to to come in and do a job. So there's a lot of factors that probably are out of my control that um, will will dictate that. But I would like to go. I, I think forty is a, a reasonable sort of age. Um, I still train every day. I still keep up with 
the 18 and 19 year olds I don't really see my age as an issue but I understand it is a factor so we'll I'll go as long as I possibly can I think I've got the best job in the world in my eyes so why give it up why give it up does it feel the same um, it, it might sound strange, but like from being 16, 17 at Derby training to 20 years later training, do you just still feel the, the same league camp as, as then or has, has it changed slightly? Um, there are days where you, you do feel, you know, it's going to be hard today. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I had that when I was 16, 17. I mean, you chuck yourself on the floor, you're throwing yourself at people's feet, you're getting kicked, you're getting whacked, the ball's it in your bit full pelt from fight, you know, that never changes. That never changes. It probably just takes you a little bit longer to recover. Um, but I still have the ball. I appreciate it more now. I think when you're young and like, uh, and you know, full of piss and vinegar, I think you just like you just go with it. This is going to last forever. Blah, blah, blah. And, and Touchwood, I've always pretty much played my whole career. I've had bit spells where I've been sub or not been involved. But pretty much throughout of it, I've always played, which has always been important to me. I've never made like the money my maker I've always wanted to play and enjoy it um, and I think with the with me having my injury and sort of looking down the barrel of like this could be this could be it I almost feel like there's a bit of a second chance so it, I, I appreciate it and I still have the buzz for it and I was going into Sheffield Wednesday I wasn't being paid I did it off my own back I wanted to keep fit and be involved in it in case an opportunity I could have sat at home and not done nothing so I still have that buzz and the enjoyment of being around it. And um, like I said, hopefully I live a long life where I won't be able to do it. So I try and get as much, maximise as many minutes as I can and, and get as much out of it um, as possible. If you could give a, a, a one piece of advice to a, a young league camp or to a young goalkeeper that might be listening now, that's just starting out on the career, what, what would that be? Jesus, to a young league camp, you don't even want to get started. That's not your role, <laughs> mate. <laughs> I might be sitting on a couch with somebody somewhere, but it won't be me and you talking. Um, <laughs> um, I, I just think attack it. Don't, you know, <clears throat> as a, this probably isn't the best advice, but this is the advice that I had. Um, and I'm sure there'll be many counts, you know, I don't know, education, counsellors or career advisors whatever at school but I was always told you'll never be a footballer you'll never be a goalkeeper you'll never do that you'll never do this don't worry about it. like get a job get a trade and you know what I didn't listen to any of them I wasn't interested from the age of nine or ten I just wanted to be a goalkeeper that was it that was it that was my sole purpose and I put all my energy into that because when you're eight nine and ten you play for the fun of it, blah, blah, and you probably don't know where you're going to go. But then when you get to like 11, 12, you start to think about senior school and GCSEs, and then you get to 14 and 15, it becomes a bit more reality. And that's the time where you think you only get one chance. Do you know what I mean? Like you get one chance when you're a teenager to do it. And anybody who wants to be, a, if you want to do it, dedicate yourself to it, go in with both feet and don't stop. Don't stop. Don't listen to anybody about you're not good enough. This will never happen. Look, I'm just a lad from Little Over that played football that was small for a goalkeeper, fat, overweight when I was young, just used to ride about on my bike, probably up to no good, playing cricket in the summer. If I can do it, anybody can do it. So you just 
just attack it. Just go for it. You get one chance and you're what's the worst that's going to happen? It doesn't happen. You ain't got it already. So just go after it. That would be my, don't, don't focus on anything. If that's what you want to do, and that's like any profession, really. If you want to be a doctor, solicitor, footballer, cricketer, go for it. Podcaster. Go, podcaster, <laughs> go in. Go in. Balls deep, straight in, bang, let's go. Yeah, that's that's the way. Don't don't second guess it. Get after your profession. Dedicate yourself to it. Work hard. Focus on what you can control. Don't worry about things you can't that are out of your control. Just focus on being better constantly. In terms of being a goalkeeper, practice your technique. Goalkeeping's changed since I was. Goalkeeping's had like, how, um. It's like evolution, whatever lies. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's had phases. It's it's changed. From when I was like nine and 10, playing for Michelover Jubilee and Michelover Sports, it was all like, that was 90s football. Goalies, oh my God, they're all six foot five. They're all smichael. They all spread themselves. They all can throw it over the halfway line. They're all David Seaman, six four, this, that and the other. And then other goalkeepers came in the ground. Mark Bosnick, Fabian Bartes, Shea Given, Steve Harper, uh, smaller goalkeepers. They changed the game a little bit, more agile, quicker, perhaps a bit better with your feet. Now it's all about playing out from the back. A goalkeeper's got to be a... Um, sorry, just to go back, like, come and take your crosses. Pumi, come and take your crosses. Pumi would come, you know, 22 yards and forget he's outside the box and edit and things like that because he was so aggressive on his crosses. Holty good on his crosses, aggressive. That was the thing. That was that era when I was sort of 15 was big, come for your crosses, dominate your area. Well, how do a goalkeeper dominate his area now? Because people don't really cross the ball. Everything's get to the byline, cut it back, one-twos around the box, shots. It's changing. Now you want your goalkeepers like to be with your feet, Allison, Edison. These goalkeepers, these are the top end. Like the top end, they're playing in top sides that do that. But it's about playing with the ball with your feet, and goalkeepers have got to be comfortable. And it and it's changing, it's changing. It doesn't matter if you're six foot six anymore. You can be six one, six foot. But if you're good with your feet and you can play out, you know that's what people look for now. But the fundamentals of goalkeeping has never ever changed. You still need to be able to make saves. You still need a good technique. There's so many goalkeepers now. Listen, it's all subjective, and I'm at the level I'm at, so there's players. But there's some goalkeepers in the Premier League that have really poor technique. Goal, poor technique, and they let goals in because of poor technique. There's goalkeepers in the Championship who have got better technique than them, who are more consistent with their work and their nuts and bolts of goalkeeping, but probably aren't as good with their feet or perhaps aren't in the position to show it. So the fundamentals of it is that learn your technique, learn your trade, because you still have to save the ball. Wherever they kick it from, or however they get the ball into a certain area, they want the ball in the centre of the goal, about 12 yards out to score. It's just how it gets there. That's essentially how it is. A few long-range shots that will go in, a couple on the angle, a couple of scrambles, set plays. But generally, people want the ball 12 yards out within front of the goal. It's how it gets there. Now it's, like I said, not so many crosses, not so much direct. It's a little bit more... Uh, tippy-tappy, balls down the side, things like that. So, But the reality of it is the ball's still going to be shot at you. Learn your technique, learn the tactical side of the game, dedicate yourself to it and work your bollocks off. That's as simple as it is. 
looking back over the, the time, we just said like the differences in goalkeeping, the difference in, in football in general is like even in the last two years, two and a half years, it's almost unrecognisable. And uh, I spoke to quite a few people now that the change in the game are ruining it. Will Hughes, who was one who came on, who was played in the Premier League with VAR, came on and just absolutely blasted it. Just said it's like... Um, you can't celebrate anymore, basically. I think the, the prime example was David Marshall, the derby keeper, when he saved, you see him when he saved the pen in the playoff yep. and don't, don't even celebrate. What What are your thoughts on the VAR? Yeah. Well, I think everybody wanted it and everybody clammed for the video referee and that. And I think it's we're now suffering from a case of like, you know, be careful what you wish for. And I'm, I'm in favour of it because I think if you get the right decision... I think that's a positive outcome. I don't think anybody wants to lose a game by a wrong decision. And I think, you know, if we'd have had it, Frank Lampard's goal at the World Cup would have counted. The game could have been different. There's scenarios over the years where, you know, you can highlight and say, well, if we had this and hindsight is wonderful. and blah, blah. So I'm for it in the sense of that it makes the right decisions. But I think at times, I think some of the penalties they get given. It's just, oh, there's a bit of contact. It's a foul. <sighs> referees don't look at it. I think you can accept human error in terms of referees making a, making a bad. I still think that if you didn't have it, it would even itself out over a, a course of a season if you get the odd bad decision here and there. I think it keeps football humanised that you have the human error. But I don't like the fact that somebody else in your ear could be making it making a decision because I get I think there's an inconsistency of decision making then because if you have a consistent if you have one person making the decisions there's a consistency in the decisions being made because he sees it a certain way and he might see a foul but if you're in my ear saying it's a foul it's a penalty oh okay it's a penalty you I don't like that side of it I don't like when they slow the game down and you have to wait. I like the idea, the simplistic idea is you get the right decision, but the process that we get there isn't for me. Isn't for me. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of it. Or the it takes it takes the emotion out of the game. Like like Will said, you can't celebrate. And then it becomes players want to celebrate. In fact, they want to celebrate with fans. They want to be passionate, but it's turning people into a bit like robot. Like Marshy making the save. What a great save he makes. Great occasion, what that save means, and he's there waiting. Oh, can I celebrate? Does it count? Of course, it counts. The kid couldn't score. You saved it. Run off and celebrate with your mates. But it just takes that takes you out of the moment. I think at times as well. I'd like the like I say, I like the idea that you get the right decision. The process for it, I don't like. And if we didn't have it and it wasn't there, I don't think it would be. I don't think it'd be a massive miss to be honest. And some of the offside goals are just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. That's the thing when it's it's it there for clear and obvious, isn't it? And it's when it's like it's someone's toes offside, or you can't even see it. You're looking, going, "That's nowhere," and they can zoom in, and it's a thing that that that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think if you're a defender, it gives you a get out of jail clause as well. You always think, "Well, I can be a little bit lazy here because I think he's offside." Like, not for me. I think if we lost it and we didn't have it, it's not going to be missed. And I think people can accept, I think people would accept now and appreciate that people do make mistakes. Referees aren't perfect and that there is a, there is a bit of human error in things. And it keeps the game 
I think it keeps the the, emo, the emotion and the passion in the game. I think it's uh, you, we've lost talking points, haven't we? People can debate whether now it's just like, well, yeah, you're talking about VAR. It's like it, it distracts from it. I'd get rid of it. Does it not concern you? But do it look looking forward the next twenty years in football when hopefully you'll be a coach and manager still involved in the game where football will be? Because I've heard different podcasts and people talking about where football might go and it's a case of VAR, maybe no heading, uh, no throw-ins, kick-ins and stuff like that. It could, do you think football could become a different game? You could be managing basically a different sport by the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's worrying. It's worrying. I think it's just overthinking things. I think in terms of the heading, I think there's obviously a real serious case mm-hmm. about that. I think that is something that um, listen, that's beyond my realms in terms of the science and things behind it. If there's if there's obviously some great minds who are, are finding out some pretty like fascinating things about heading the ball, and if there's an element where we have to control it, or for a certain age through children's development, that there isn't heading or very limited amount of heading because of science and the the research suggests this could happen. I think that's right. I think they they we have to always have to have people's welfare in mind. Um I've never I've not heard that about the throwings and the kickings. I don't know what that is. That's just that's a suit who's never played football and got any enjoy. Is that's the kid who never got picked in the team on the playground who wants his moment in the sun somewhere in the FIFA offices who's got a bee in his bonnet because he couldn't play with he his mates on the park. Yeah. Couldn't take a throw in. His mates <laughs> didn't pick him. You know what I mean? He's the last one to be picked. Now we don't need you, mate. Go on. We'll, we'll play with 10. We're all right. He's got a bee in his bonnet somewhere. Oh, let's change it to kickings. How crap would that be? Kickings. Yeah. What? So, why? So, the excite- people get excited. So, what are you going to do? Just smash the ball into the box every off the Crap. Stupid idea. That would be rubbish. Um, but I, th- I think things change, and I think it's it's just part of life. I think things evolve, and I think you have, you know, let's have a look at the idea. But there's not a lot wrong with a game, really. I think why have we got to make it any more difficult, or why change something that's good? Do you, do you think it might be a difficult question for you to answer? Uh, so if you don't, if you can't answer it, I'll answer it for you. Do you think if you improve the standard of officiating, you wouldn't need VAR? Um, how do you improve it, though? That's the thing. I, I get, I mean, I'm on the pitch and I see some things and I think, what, what's, why is that a free kick? Or, you know, then I do see things and I think there's no chance. Like, I've seen situations in a penalty box, I think that's a penalty. We've got away with that one. And you think, bloody hell, like that, you know, that was a foul or... That was a handball. And that happens. But he can only give what he can see. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's the argument for the VAR. Yeah. Okay. If the pros if the if if the outcome is the right decision, I don't think people argue with it. It's the process. But I don't know how you improve the standard officiating. I don't know. Mm. I, I don't know how we do that. I think it, there's that human that human side didn't they where people do make mistakes or people don't see things or a player does run across a referee's view as an incident happens and everyone goes you know 
that's a penalty or it's a foul. Or it should be a red card. And he says, I didn't see anything. Ah, did you not see it? Well, I, you know, I've got a six foot three bloke just runs right in front of me. Like it happens. It happens. He hasn't that's... got the angle. He, he, he hasn't got, you know, if he'd have been at this angle, he would have seen it. Yeah, but how does he know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's not, he's not three seconds ahead of everyone. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know how you improve the official. How good are the officials now? We don't know because all their decisions get taken out of their hands. Mm. Uh, in the last 18 months or whatever it is of, of VAR, you know, they're giving free kicks and that, but the actual major decisions, we don't know if they are getting right or because it's taken out of their hands. They've got someone in their ear telling them. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. It, it, we've, we're becoming victims of what we wish for, aren't we? And it's yeah. um, it's backfiring a little bit. Just before we get, I don't like this one as well. So just while we're on officials, what's <laughs> this one with the the linesman now, where the game plays, and then five seconds later they put the flag up for offside? Yeah, I don't get that. I don't get it. Well, was it? He's offside. Put your flag up. Yeah. I don't, so you could get in, you score a goal, and then he comes back in. Uh, they make a rod for their own back, and that. I think if you're offside, give offside. I, I don't understand that one. Oh, that happened the other night in a game I was watching and get lost with it. it. And anyway, run over. Is no, I want to ask one more. Actually, I wasn't asking, but here's one more. Um, I've, I've been doing it like a podcast with Tim Lovejoy, our football podcast, where I present it with him, and we it's basically talking about what's changing the game. And this is a thing yeah. that always comes up: contact. If a player, if there's contact on a player, do they have the right to go down? Um. Oh, that's a tough one. Because I'll give you an example. When we were, well, I'm a little bit young, but in, when we were watching like Robbie Fowler and players like that, they'd get hacked down and they'd like do whatever they could to get back up and put the ball in the net, wouldn't they? Whereas now it's a little, oh, you can just know he's he's just caught his he's just caught there, so he's got a right to go down. If it's but is it a foul or not? Well, I, th- I think it's like what I touched on with the penalties in that. That that's probably the situation we're talking about the most because that seems where it highlights the most is the contact. It's like like my first look at the Pogba one the other night against Aston Villa was oh it's a penalty. He's got the the ball's been played. He's got the right side of the defender. He's put his body in. He's rolled him. Defender's in trouble. He's got caught up. It's a penalty. Then when you look back and you think it's minimal contact and you're like. It's unavoidable. How 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 does the lad not make contact yeah. if Pogba runs into him? You yeah. know, like there was the one last night. Like we were obviously talking after the Spurs game last night, and the kid got sent off for the yes for the. And I looked at it and I thought, it's not deliberate. That's 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 the hazard of playing football. Yeah, like he hasn't. Yeah, his his boots gone down his shin, and he's got a cut on his shin, right? But the kid, who is no way in a million years even focusing on the Spurs player, he's trying to do a turn, to turn his body to get the ball out the other way so he can pass to his own player. He puts his foot down. In this, When you slow it down, you go, oh, it looks horrendous. Well, it's not slowed down when you're playing. He's not even focusing. I've been on a pitch and I've been in areas where you slide out of people and you make contact with people. Your focus is not to make contact with someone. His focus there is clearly not to make contact with his shin. His focus is to plant his foot to do a Cruyff turn to play the ball out the other way. The lad comes in to tackle him, right? There's contact. 
it's not ballet. It happens. They gets a, a cut down. Everyone goes, oh, look at his shin. It's terrible. It's a little cut down his leg. It's not the end of the world. And then the kid says, I'm a warrior. You didn't mean to do it. That's how it should be. He shouldn't yeah. be sent off. I don't think that's a sending off. No, I don't. For me, all. I can't believe how that is dangerous play and people go, oh, but what's it, what's he meant to do? Is he meant to just go, oh, you're in the way there. Sorry, I'm not going to do anything. You just take the ball. I'm not going to pass it. I'm not going to try and show a bit of skill or do something because there's a potential I can make contact. Uh, I think we've gone too, too like happy to send people off the things that are unavoidable. Like that, like that's a prime example last night. It's unavoidable. It's not, it's not even a tackle. He's got possession of the ball. But yeah, I suppose if I suppose you can say if if there's contact, you've got right to go down. But it's very subjective, very mm. subjective. I don't think I would. I don't think I would go down. No. To be honest with you, I don't think I'm quick enough to go past a player with a ball for starters. So it's probably not an issue. But you know, but I've done it. I've done it. Listen, I've done it. And when I'm in goal, you buy a free kick. Mm. You can buy a free kick. I can buy a free kick if you if 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 it's a corner and you put four attackers around me with four defenders. I can buy you a free. I can buy a free kick before the ball's even take because you make you, referee look. He's standing on me. I'll go and put my leg into someone. Go look. He's standing on me. I'll put my arm underneath them and say look. He's grabbing my arm. So immediately the referee's looking at it. So as soon as I get contact, I get a free kick. So if that's the the dark arts of football, if that's cheating. I don't know. Again, it's subjective, but you can't like you can put yourselves in positions to get contact. If that makes sense. Are goalkeepers protected too much? Uh, yeah, we probably are. Actually, we probably are. I think um, we 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 do get a lot of leniency. There are times where you <laughs> a million times for me, you get away with stuff. You come for a cross, or you you get under it a little bit. You drop it, don't quite get a clear punch on it. There's a little bit of contact. You hit the deck, you get a free kick. You're like, got away with that one. Definitely. I, I, I do think we do get protected. I think as soon as we get off the floor, we're told if you're up in the air and they make contact with you, it's a foul. They can't, mm. the referees tell you, they can't touch you. So it's like, well, if you get up early enough. Yeah, make the contact. <laughs> make the contact. Yeah. You can put your body, if, you, if there's a player coming and you know he's in the path he's coming and you put yourself in a position and you get off the floor, you know you're going to get contact. You know he's going to hit you. Mm. And that player's got no intentions of hitting the goalkeeper. Mm. I've got intentions of him hitting me, but <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you can. That's the way, goal, in that sense, a goal is our protective because the referees have, you know, as soon as you, if, if you're off the floor, if you've got two feet off the floor and you're in the air and they, they touch you and there's, if they graze you, I'm not so sure, but if there's a good coming together or you can buy a free kick. Is there anything else that annoys you that's changed in football, modern football? Oh, where do you want me to... We ain't got enough. Like I said, we shouldn't be sitting on this couch. This is <laughs> So, Lee, this come on, rough. talk to me. <laughs> this is a place of honesty. <laughs> Social media, that annoys me in football. Social media annoys me in general, but... Um, Are you not on yeah, social media? No, I don't do it. I don't do it. I'm not interested in it. I just think it's... I think it's a very interesting tool. Um, like Twitter. I remember Twitter. I remember having a conversation with 
my God, I think it was like Dexter Blackstock when we were playing at QPR before we both signed for Forest. He was he was all over Twitter. He'd spent time in America where it was quite. Um, I think it was quite popular at the. That's obviously, but, but I think it was. What's the way? I think it was popular in America before we really adopted it over here. Um, and I remember him talking to me about it, and I remember saying that will never take off. That's just like what's that crap, right? What you're what, what you're tweeting at? What you're telling me this is called a tweet. So what I do is I type it out and I send it, and people who are following my page are like they can see what I've said. So I was like, so what's like a web? Like a, so you've got your own web page? Like, no, no, no. It's like this app, and I think we had Blackberries at the time, and he was trying to load it up on his Blackberry or. And he was talking about it. going, oh, it's massive in America. They use it and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, no, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling this. And then I was thinking, what a stupid idea that is. That's never going to take off. Like, who, who, who's bothered about it? Who would care? Like, I thought, if I, so if I've got a Twitter page and I tweeted, oh, this, that, I was thinking, who would give a shit? Who'd care? Like, what, why, like, why would we be bothered in that? I said, like, nah, rubbish. And never take off. And, uh, Clearly, I'm not a very good entrepreneur because uh, <laughs> it's massive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's I remember that. Like, oh, when was that? So we signed. That must have been like '09 sort of time, maybe '08-'09. And he was really on it and really um, aware of it and where it was going to go. And I thought it just didn't really appeal to me then, and it never has. Facebook and things like that. I just no, I'm not. I'm not really bothered what other people are doing <laughs> i'm not really bothered in other humans to be honest i am again watching that soulful documentary the other day there was a bit where graham alexander's going right brilliant win uh, blah 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 come back tuesday you're in blah, blah and then he goes right well done as well and they all just turn around it was about three or four of them turn around pick the phones off the top and just go like that straight away yeah straight away and i'm probably and i'm probably as guilty as that as probably the next the next man in terms of like interchanging, I think it's it's just the way it is. I think people are just on their phones all the time now, um, yeah. and it's the way people communicate. I think uh, it's just. Whereas I don't get this business about you know you win a game and there's a big group picture of the changing room up and like and people are oh, like Sky Sports News and you're thinking oh well done, like <laughs> well done you won one nil like that's what you're meant to do. It's what you get paid to do. That's your job. Like look at us. Let's all celebrate. Well, oh, but you lost last week. You lost 2-0 when you should have won. You didn't put that one up. Oh, so selective, selective celebrating. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. Interesting. Jim, I just, I I just get lost with it. The one that I don't like is the um, uh, another great three points today. Fans are brilliant as always. Let's get back to it on Tuesday. And what is the point? Because that's what every footballer puts after every game. Yeah, but then they don't spend the time to just to clap the fans. Like, yeah. I'm old school. Listen, I'm a, I'm dinosaur. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe I'm just miles, miles, and miles off it, and not with what's going on today. But like, surely an acknowledgement to the people that are there. Like, I'm taking the time, just you know, clap, wave, thumbs up, fist pump, whatever. Like, a bit of interaction, player to fans, whatever it is. Like, surely that means more than going just little hand wave not really any eye contact to the crowd or taking a moment to like take it in and go and put it on twitter that maybe people that are in the crowd haven't got twitter or haven't got instagram or whatever bloody tiktoks or whatever they're called like 
maybe they don't see it. So then you walk off the pitch and you think, oh, I'm going to do a real, real good thing here. I'm going to go and tweet. But then you might have like a couple who are like 50 who haven't got smartphones. They were going, why is he walking off the pitch and not like, wait, like what? Where's that gone? That's, that, I'm 100% with you there. And I've seen players do it. You'd be talking to him after the game. I remember there was an incident with a player that um, I was injured at the time and I went in and he did fantastically well and it had a bit of stick and it was like a bit of a make or break game for him and he did really well. I think uh, we won. I'm not going to say the club, I'm not going to say the player, but we'd won the game. He did really well and contributed massively in the game. So I went to see him after the game to say well done and um, like congratulated him because like he deserved it and um, just blanked me because he's tweeting and I just thought you know what God, like, doesn't, doesn't that say a lot like, and I've never like doesn't that say a lot about the character of the lad of why he's probably in that situation though if that's his it's just, it's just but it's just people want to be liked that's all it yeah. is it's like people share stuff on Instagram or like Twitter and that. it's just people want to be liked they just want people it's just attention and people just want to be liked and there's nothing wrong with that I'm like everyone's different and more power to everybody like live your life enjoy yourself but I don't get this need to like show your wealth show things off brag about things do this like the, the thing that's like at the minute is everyone's in Dubai like yeah. they're in a national lockdown right and everyone's just jumped on a plane and gone nah two fingers to everyone we're off we're just going to Dubai and then people are just you know flaunting the rules doing whatever they want and they're so and they're putting it out there for people to see and I just think what is it like where's the misconnect there's a disconnect here with me I, I don't get this like there's been players who have been caught over Christmas who are um so who aren't social distancing following the guidelines right okay now, this isn't a dig at the players because I'm sure you know, I know, and people who will listen to this will know and maybe themselves have bent the rules a little bit over periods. I think that's inevitable. At some point, we've all probably been a little bit of a victim of like, or maybe I got a bit too close to that person or maybe I shouldn't have been in that. Like, that's fine. My next door neighbours had nine people around. It is what it is. There's cars galore on Christmas Day. You can't control people. It, it, it is. But why are you taking pictures? Why are you taking pictures and bragging to the world? Look at me. I'm breaking the rules and I'm floating the rules. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't agree with you floating the rules because there's guidelines and I've not been able to see family and my wife has not been able to see family over Christmas because of the, the, um, the, the shielding and the distancing and all the guidelines. But you're like, you're flaunting it. And I just, that's the side of it. I just think stupid. And it's as if, but it's attention and people want, oh, well, I might get, you know, 2,000 likes on my Instagram page and look at all these people who are like, think I'm great. I just, that side of it to me, I just, it's just pathetic, just pathetic. And if you're one of them people, then I haven't really got a lot in common with you. I don't get it. Well, it becomes a case of people want to be seen around the Premier League footballers' arse on Christmas Day on Instagram more than they want to be seen to, because you can go around fair play. If your mates with one of these, one of these footballers go around and see him on Christmas day, if you're afraid of, and like, but the, the absolute arrogance of then to put it on Instagram because you're around it and wants, it's just complete ignorance and arrogance, isn't it? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't think, um, 
you do have a responsibility. That's the thing. The virus and this situation is unforgiving mm. to anybody, whether your age, race, financial status, your job, your whatever. It, there's no, this is not like, it, this will affect everybody at, at any time. We don't know where it is. You can go to the petrol station, you can get it. I'm sat in a, in a hotel now. I could get it from the hotel. We can't see it. It's it, we're gonna come. You could come across it. So it's not okay. I just I don't understand how people forget they have a responsibility to flaunt mm. it. It's like if you are in the public eye, you're in the public eye for a reason, and you should behave correctly. Mm. It's as simple as that. And and not just people are in the eye. Do as you're told. Mm. Just do as you're told. Like it's done for a reason. Like people are sacrificing, not seeing family, giving up. There's people have lost loved ones, lost grandmas, lost granddads, lost parents, lost family members, children, whatever, and not been able to see them out of the blue because of the virus. And then, it, but it's all right. We'll we'll just go around such and such house and have Christmas dinner. And oh yeah, you shouldn't really. That's all right. You can come in. It, it just doesn't wash well with me. It, it, it just stupid. Idiots. No. Right. Uh, I've got some quick fire questions for you. Unless there's anything else in football that you want to uh, you want to go off your chest. No. Um, I've probably gone too far with it. But <laughs> um, I've been watching. Um, just going off the subject. This is another. This is a bugbear, man. People go watch this program. You should watch this. Why? Why should I watch this program? You like it? Fantastic. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Brilliant. Why should I watch it? You don't know what I like. It's no skin off your nose if if I watch it. Blake, you know what I mean? Watch this tonight. I don't like that. Yeah, but you should watch it because I watched it. You should watch it. Right? <laughs> anyway, anyway, I'm going to tell you to watch this now, so I expect you to watch it. Curb your enthusiasm. I'm slowly turning into Larry David, I think. So, um yeah, let's get that. Off I like me. this. I like this. I like. We should, this is just a podcast in itself. Just Lee Camp on life. <laughs> no, but my, my 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 whole outtake is now starting to be like Larry David, which is worrying because he plays a bit of a psychopath. So I'm <laughs> starting to worry about myself. <laughs> no, I do. No, so you should watch that. So even though I'm going to contradict myself, and you know, you should watch it. But that's where I can't remember what the point I was going with now. Anyway, but. Yeah, that's what I'm turning into. I'm turning into Larry David, just not quite getting Brilliant. certain things. Um, got some quick fire questions for you that people have asked. Go on. Yeah, first go on. Pair, first pair of boots. First pair of boots were. I had a pair of Patrick boots out of the Littlewoods catalogue for my Auntie Sandra's catalogue. That's what it was, yeah. She used to have a Littlewoods catalogue and she used to order it for people. And, you know, this is going back in the day, mate. This is before internet. This is like. But this might be lost on you, but uh, this was a time when you had to actually ring somebody and order something and give like a code, and then it get delivered like six months later. By Betty down the road would get it delivered to her house, and Bet, <laughs> old Bet would come round with a suitcase and. But yeah, I had a li- my auntie had the uh, my auntie had the Littlewoods catalogue. So yeah, it was a pair of Patrick boots. I'm sure, it was Patrick. Yeah, I put yeah. There was always somebody who put the orders in for a group of people, weren't there? There's always somebody who had the always. Car. Yeah, that was my auntie. <laughs> and then Mark, who come on. Oh, by the way, Mark coming on here. He thinks he's he thinks he should be on Tower now, by the way. 
But he thinks he's a Derby celeb. Honestly, he's like, well, when all this goes back around, I'll, yeah, I'll be the boy about Derby. I'm like, all right, mate. All he's right. like, you know what? Quickly on Mark. I've not messaged Mark for a few months. I'm quite a decent mate to him. And um, I put a thing up saying, right, Lee Camp part three, blah, blah. And, it, and he just popped straight up. He was there. What's up straight away? Oh, he's quick, mate. Mate, <laughs> he is quick. He is quick, honestly. It's not a lot of that. It's not a lot of that. He don't know what's going on. I'm telling you. So sometimes when I get if I get within like fifteen mile of Derby, I'm sure he's got a radar on his phone or something. He's just like a notification comes up. Where are you? What do you mean? Well, I'm on the A38. I know. I know you are. Like, <laughs> there was, but yeah. There was two. Um, there was two questions. The first, I put questions for Lee Camp, and the first two that came up were like obviously people that know them and know you. And one of them was. Who's going bold quickest, Dan or Mark? <laughs> whoa, whoa, hey. I, we're no, having, no, we're no, having no family disputes here. I'm going to put myself in that as well. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not expecting to answer. It's just that Mark's up because. Oh, he's I'll there. answer it. I'll answer <laughs> it. Don't you worry. I'll take. I'll, <laughs> no, well, the point. Was, anyway, back to the boots. My auntie had the uh, the Littlewoods catalogue, and then Mark, the whole point. Mark's mum had the next catalogue, right? <gasps> But she ordered so much out of Next, she got banned from it because she used to order so much stuff, right, and send it all back. I'm telling you, them Mark and Daniel were the two best-dressed kids in Little Over, honestly. They were Mr. and Mr. Next. Well, she ordered that much stuff. And my poor Uncle Moz, I used to see my Uncle Moz uh, before he retired, uh, Mark's mum and dad, uh, Mark's mum and dad, Mark and Daniel's dad, he'd be running around the Eagle Centre or running around Derby. In his dinner hour, hey, right, Mars, how are you? Can't stop. I've got to take a load of stuff back for Val. Val got banned. Mark's mum got banned. Like, she was Val, amazing woman, shopaholic, honestly, shopaholic. So, yeah, we, we, were, we were the catalogue family. That's incredible. That's incredible. I remember the next one. The next one was like the hardback one, wasn't it? A bit like the Bible. Oh, yeah, some weight to it, mate. <laughs> At one point, everything in that catalogue probably passed through Mark's house. <laughs> maybe tw- some items maybe two or three times but yeah and I think that's where Mark gets his shopping addiction from he gets it from his mum because Mark's like real OCD about his fashion really yeah. well, we, we call it fashion oh I was about to say <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah what was I saying um, oh yeah there was two questions you don't have to answer them because it's family I just thought they were funny the first one was Mark or Dan, who's going bolder quicker. And the other one was, who's had the most free gear off you, Mark or Dan? But then the hashtag was hashtag MC1. So I think they already knew who's had uh, Well, who's going bolder quicker? That's a good race, that is. That's like... But that's the thing like is, Dan's... I think Dan's, Dan's keeping his short and just riding with it. Mark's going for the, like, growing it out, isn't he, I think, in denial. Yeah, there's a bit of that in me as well. So... Uh, and me. <laughs> well, you know, it's, we'll go for a bit of the old Bobby Charlton sweep over, aren't we? <laughs> at some point in our life, but uh, uh, I, th- I think they've slowed down a bit. I think they've mm. um, they've slowed down in in terms of we're all bold. We're all going there eventually. Like even my uncles, my uncles that are like my blood uncles, like that, like he's bold, and then. My uncles that have married into the family are bold. So we're all going to go. Like, we'll all yeah. be bold eventually. So it, it is what it is. I'm more worried about the grey in my beard. That's the biggest concern at the minute. But, you know, they can't grow a beard. So they ain't got that concern. 
Just put a bit of just for men in it, and I'll edit your Wikipedia to say thirty-two. And you come in no time. <laughs> Jesus, even that won't help me. <laughs> um, oh, the... Mark, Mark definitely has the most free gear. He has all gloves and boots, and Dan's very particular about what he wants. Oh, Funny enough, Dan, Dan wouldn't have any free forest track suits or any old forest training kit. He wasn't really. Yeah, I don't know why he wasn't a fan of that. Mark was all right. Mark didn't care. So, See, that's Mark has I... all old gloves and that. Dan, yeah. Dan likes his specialities. He likes his Michael Owen and Alan Shearer boots. He's old school, real old school. Still get the odd text now. If, you, if you've got any specialities, if you come across any specialities, you know, throw my way. Right. <laughs> He's old school. See, that's why I'm buzzing uh, Betty Osborne's left foresting on Sheffield United because there might be some Sheffield United training kit night in this season that I can actually wear after like 20 years at Forest. <laughs> some free Adidas kit coming your way. Yeah. Um, who's the, the best player you've ever played with? Oh, God. I get, I've been asked this a few times and it's it's one of the hardest questions to answer because there's so many players that I think like are underrated that I've played with I think for him, what a good player he was. Um the best the best player, goodness me. I don't know. King Clatsy was special. Mm. Um although I didn't really play with him a lot. I played a couple of reserve games, but I didn't really play with him, so I don't know if that really counts. Um Iranio was special, but I never played with him, but obviously got to train with him and watch him train like he was something else. Um, I don't know. I don't know. So many, so many. It's, it's so difficult to... Anigo was a hell of a player. Um, Tom Huddleston. Jeez. Wes Morgan. Robert Earnshaw. I mean, there's a load of players that were like fantastic players. Hmm. Um, this is right. tough one. We'll change it. Right, change it. And who's the best goalkeeper of all time? Of all time? Yeah. Lee Grant? <laughs> <laughs> I like Granny and he's a good goalie. Uh, but I wouldn't put him as the best of all time. No, it's just a bit um, of retro. 2005. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I love Schultz. Schultz is my guy. I love Schultz. I didn't get to see enough of him because he was it was just a bit before my time. Yeah. But I thought Schultz was a special goalie. Probably the best of all it's hard, I don't know, the best of all time. You probably have to look at Smichael. I think Van der Sar's an incredibly underrated goalkeeper. Um I always thought Nigel Martin was a, an underrated goalkeeper, but I wouldn't say he was, obviously, you wouldn't put him in the category of best of all time. Buffon, possibly. Um, and there was of Gordon Banks. There's some, there were some quality goalkeepers that, that were around long before I was even born. So, um, I don't know. Probably the best that I've ever seen, you'd probably have to say Smichael, Peter, not Casper. Mm-hmm. Um from my from my eyes, seeing him live, I'd probably say that he's the he's the best I've ever seen. Favorite football in memory? Um, you know what? Saving that penalty in the last minute—that's a that's a good one. Breaking up there, mate. 
<laughs> I thought one. Well, that's convenient. We had a good signal the whole time. Um, no, I think playing at Wembley for England under twenty ones that was special. Was was uh, it, you were the first? That's the first game at Wembley, wasn't it? The new Wembley. Yeah, when it opened. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, like half capacity or something. Mm. I can't remember quite remember what it was, but yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Then, funny enough, a couple of months later, we were back there with in the playoffs, and I've never been back since. So, um, yeah, that was special, obviously, representing your country. You can't have to say that. Playing for England at Wembley is pretty cool. Yeah, quality. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all the questions. The only other question we had, which I wasn't sure I was going to ask you, was someone put, how many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Oh, bloody hell. How many chickens? How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Oh, we have all that. We used to have all these. Uh, we used to do all like these sort of questions. Like one of the one of these, I think it was at Birmingham. I think we had a couple of these questions, and I'm never very good at them. But I suppose, I suppose one bad one is a bit of salmonella. <laughs> Take down an elephant. I don't know. I've told you, told you. I've got a bit Larry David. I'm going a bit psycho in my old age. I don't know. What's the answer? <laughs> one bad chicken, one undercooked bad chicken could cause havoc. I don't think there is well, that. One of them questions, it's like subjective. It says a lot about you. It's a bit like we're back on the couch again, aren't we? Yeah, what a point. If there's no answer, what a pointless question. Was it your question? No, so no, my <laughs> listeners. Oh, no. Um, no, if there's an answer to that, I want to know that. That'll bug me now. Hang on, let me Google That'll it. bug me. Go on, have a Google on it. How... This, How is many taking, this is taking a turn on it. This podcast. How many chickens? Oh, we're going for some debt. You might have to do some editing here. This is some real dead air here. <laughs> dead air. Great, great radio terminology there. <laughs> great AC. I know. All the gear, no idea. Um. How many chickens would it take to kill an elephant? Depends on how you use them. Probably most effectively and without other killing other agents is putting a chicken into the bloodstream of an elephant. Other ways are putting one, preferably chicks, in each nostril and a couple of chickens in its mouth. Anyway. <laughs> oh, well. Made my answer look a bit tame, that. <laughs> that's, that's what come up on Google. Google, but, um, wow. We'll end on this. Any regrets? Yeah, loads. Too many to uh, to list, but you learn, don't you? You live and learn. You can't... I suppose you can have regrets about certain things, but hindsight is wonderful. Mm. You know, just ask the Labour go- the Labour leader. Yeah. Well, we won't touch politics. Oh, <laughs> no politics, no religion. Let's not go there. That's it. That's what my granddad used to say. <laughs> Never talk about politics or religion in the poor ball. <laughs> oh, don't go there. That is... Uh... But if we're gonna, no, no, not really, not really. Everything shapes your life, doesn't it? You learn from it. If you don't make mistakes, you don't learn. Mm. So, yeah, maybe a couple of things, but nothing that nothing mad, trivial. It's not really going to change my life too much, probably. So, well, incredible. So, before we go, have you spoke to Bryce lately? No. I just want to give him a little shout out because Rangers won on Saturday and I'm so chuffed. I am so chuffed. And 
just going on from the others when I said I get abusive messages. So I just sent him um, the emojis, red, white, and blue. That was it. Just that. Nothing else. Bit of banter. Rangers won, you know, Celtic, whatever. Well, that opened a can of worms. I will <laughs> not tell you the expletives that he came back with. Incredible. Such a nice guy. Potty mouth, honestly. Awful. Awful. Paragraph, uh, paragraph. It was brutal. I'm not going to go that. I'm not going to embarrass him, but it was brutal and enjoyable at the same time. I don't know what that says. I don't know, like no. But you've you've sent the you've sent your little bait out there, and uh, and when you get one, you get one, don't you? Don't matter what they say. I've got you. <laughs> I've got him. I've got him. I think he knew it was probably coming as well. Um, but you know, he's a bit touchy about his Celtic. Bless him. Oh, bless him. Um, it's been brilliant as ever. We've managed to stick to an hour, incredibly, which has never happened in the previous ones. Yeah, well, that's a record for me. Yeah, in all fairness, because I can waffle. So, uh, no, I've enjoyed it, mate. As always, it's. Um, I think, like you said before, it's if it kills kills an hour in somebody's day, does a job, done it. It's um, we're all in it together. Yeah. So. And you got your sponsors, so you're getting paid. So everyone's a winner. <laughs> yeah. Kept that, kept that one quiet, didn't you? Hey, I'll just I'll just put that one out there for you, mate. Every, every, <laughs> you don't play football for free, do you, mate? This is my job. <laughs> don't work for free, mate. Don't work for free. Love it. Well, um, if there's ever a fourth lockdown in part four, I don't know what we're gonna have to do. I think you might have to present it and interview me. Interview, mate. That could be that could be a plan. Should we we do, could do that. Right, part four. Whenever we in the, in a few weeks or months, whenever. No, no, we're not going to have a part four. We're going to have positive thinking. This is another thing with the whole issue. People are negative, worrying about. Look, let's look forward and be positive. Let's be positive. We're not going to have a lockdown four. We might have to do, I don't know, lockdown three point one. Let's not call it lockdown yeah. four. We'll be positive, and there ain't going to be a lockdown after this. We're going to get through it, and we're going to be all right. So, talk Darby to me, Lee Camp part 3.5 will be you interviewing me. Sponsored yeah, right. by sponsored by Connect Red. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I might be an anchor. I don't know. It could be a new profession for me. I could be an anchor. I've heard, anchor that, I've heard you called that before, actually. What did you say? Anchor. Yeah, oh, anchor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm sure you have. I'm sure there were the passion lips as well. No, they haven't. Nice, nice. I like that. Set that one up for you. Very there good. There you go. You throw them up. Free it, that was. Nice one, Campy. Free it. No, Blake, I enjoyed it, mate. Nice one, buddy. Top, man. Take care, man. Speak to you soon. Take care, mate. Speak to you soon. <laughs>